0: Testament reading this morning from Job chapter 2. This is Satan attacking Job's health again. Um, God allowed him to take his family, his material possessions, and Satan comes and says, but what about Job personally? And let's read Job chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking on it up and down. It's like Peter. He prowls like a lion. Huh? And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. All that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's yours. He's in your hand, only spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with lonesome sores, loathsome sores from the, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive only good from God? And shall we not receive evil? In all, this Job did not sin with his lips. Now when Job's three friends heard of all the evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Namathite. And they made an appointment together to come and show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and they wept and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights and no one spoke a word to him for they saw that his suffering was very great. Now to Romans chapter 12, Romans 12. Verses 14 through uh, 21. Paul's exhorting the Christians. And remember, these are commands. These aren't suggestions. He's not saying you should do this. Think about this. These are commands. If you're a Christian, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. For by so doing... You'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Father in heaven, we do thank you and praise you so much. Again, we love you, Jesus, and you brought us here, Lord, to, to worship and to honor you, to learn from you. And I pray that we would be engaged with our entire being, Lord, with our, our heart, soul, strength, mind, Lord God, that we would truly, truly be looking to Christ, that we would be, we would receive that um, conviction where we need to be convicted, Lord God, and and receive that well, encouraged in areas where we need to be encouraged through this text, Lord, through your precious word, always being conformed to the image of Christ, being sanctified by your spirit. So I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's how it works, man. I wanted to preach this whole section at once. This is this is how it works in the pastor, like for the pastor. You can plan all you want. You can say, I'm going to do this, this, and this. The best laid plans, right, and it happens all the time, so what I read to you is what I wanted to preach, but it wasn't just it just wasn 't going to happen. There was just too much that I had to say about something else. so then I was going to look at um, just verse fifteen and sixteen, Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with those with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. I was going to preach that, and i 'm going to make that fit, and then next week, go back and preach that section that has a lot of continuity to it about how we treat our enemies and so forth but as the week progressed i couldn't get past verse 15 i just couldn't get just couldn't get beyond it rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep so guess what we're going to preach one verse today and it happens sometimes so please i'm not going to ask for your forgiveness or to bear with me because you're going to need this we need this we need this because it seems so simple and we want to grow. If You you want to grow and mature in Jesus Christ, don't you? We all want to grow, and it's a continual thing. It's ongoing. It's our sanctification. We want to grow and mature in Christ. We want deeper fellowship with one another. Well, this is how you get here. It's exactly this section that we're preaching on. This is how we our, our, our salvation is manifested, right, through our sanctification, through our fellowship, through the life that we lead and how we live. This is how we get there. Listen, knowing, knowing God's word, knowing the teaching, you need to know, obeying it, no matter how you feel, the desires that don't conform to the word, that, you know, are in contrast. you don't go by your feelings, you don't trust yourself, you don't trust your heart, you trust the word at all times, and you obey, you obey him. So knowing, obeying, Means growing. That's how you grow in maturity in the Lord. So take verse 15. We're gonna just, we're just gonna look at verse 15. Because you know what? We wanna zoom past this. Again, this is more like a a machine gun type of thing that Paul's pointing out. You do this, 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 this. We tend to just kinda go with that. Sometimes, man, you just have to slow down and just take that one verse. And that's what we're doing this morning. We're not gonna zoom past this part. I tried to, I wanted to, but the spirits, no, you're not going to. We're, we're doing, This verse this morning because there's so much here. If you take this to heart, you'll see change, true change, as you're being sanctified in your life, true growth and true maturity in Christ. Two major ideas in this one verse. It's simple enough. Number one, this verse, verse 15, when he says, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Major. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? It's major. Two big ideas two things you want to think about, two places you want to get to as a Christian. And the first thing is, it's a call to contentedness. Call to contentedness. You need to be content in Christ Jesus and with him. He's sufficient. And then number two, a call to compassion. That we need to be compassionate. That's all in this verse right here. So... As we turn, again, so simple, rejoice with those who rejoice. The call to contentedness in Christ. It sounds simple enough, doesn't it? It just sounds... Hey, rejoice with those who rejoice. Be happy for those that are happy when something good happens. Be cheerful. Be genuinely celebratory for those who've been blessed by God in a specific way. That's what this means. You rejoice. As Christians, we should be happy when good things happen or blessings uh, are poured out to other Christians. We ought to be genuinely happy. We ought to share in that joy, right? Right? Yeah. But what happens? When another person, another Christian, another brother and sister in Christ receives from God what you, okay? It's easy to rejoice when it doesn't mean anything to you. Okay, this person gets that. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. But if it's something that you've wanted, something that you've longed for, something that you've prayed for, and I'm not saying in a selfish way, very legitimate kinds of places, kind, types of things in that way, you desire to have what you've been praying for, what you've been longing for, your reaction to this will say a lot about your reliance on the Lord and even more about your contentedness in Christ with God, in his provision, in his sufficiency. It's a big deal for us as Christians. You need to be trusting and have Christ alone as your as your center, as your home. That's it. And Jimmy G's nothing else. He's all I need. We say that all the time, but do you mean it? And is that true of you? Was it something else you need so that you could be happy and say, "Okay, now I'm content"? And now I could love the Lord. Now the Lord loves me. No, if you're in Christ, Christ is all you need. So you think about this. I have a young couple, I have younger families here. Somebody comes, another Christian says, "Hey, we got the house. We got the house. The house. We have it." I got the job. I got that promotion that I was looking for. I, I, I can't believe it. I got the job. Okay. We're pregnant. Pregnant. He asked me to marry him. Right? That's good news, isn't it? That's good. Those are blessings. We just received a huge inheritance. Isn't that amazing? The Lord bless. Now, you can understand there might be a tinge of pain, a bit of bewilderment, because you were in that place of saying, We we just put an offer on the house and it it got rejected. You know, we had we were lined up and it, it it was ours and it just kind of got pulled from out, out of under. You got the house. We didn't get the house. I chose somebody else for that position. I interviewed for that position. I was more qualified than the person that got that job and I didn't get it. We've been trying to conceive for years. I so badly want to be married. All I want is a spouse, somebody to love, somebody to be with, have companionship, have children. That's all I want. We can barely pay our bills. They're already well off, and they get a huge inheritance. Rejoice with, see how simple, rejoice with those who rejoice. It's not that simple, is it? Rejoice? Sure, that's great for them. I'm happy for them. But what about me? You see that twinge? That twinge, and that twinge is okay. That twinge is like, Lord, please, what's happening here? I I love, here's the danger, and here's what I want you to get, and here's why we're staying on this verse. That twinge can easily slide into sin, and that's a big deal for us as Christians. You can't go there. You see the danger. If you can't rejoice in that way, that opens the door to those subtle sins, to those dangerous sins, to those respectable sins that Jerry Bridges calls. What's it open the door to? Those kinds of things open the door to, to what? Jealousy? Envy? Resentment? Bitterness? Discouragement? And anger? Especially towards God? After a while? You know what else it does? It makes it all about you. It, 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 it becomes like a selfishness, a, a kind of self-pity. Well, they get it. What about, I never get what I want. And so somebody comes in with good news, and, and they don't rejoice in that news because you can't, because what about me? And then the attention's on you. Do you see that? So God blesses another couple. We should be thanking the Lord for that. But no, 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 it comes back to me. See, these are real dangers. These are real sins that we fall into. And here's the thing. And I want you to get this, and I want you to understand this this morning, because we kind of accept these attitudes, and we'll call them attitudes, not as sins, but as natural, of course, how can I be, as understandable and even justifiable reactions. Well, how would you feel if you didn't get that? You know, you don't know how I feel about this situation. They're not just attitudes. If we let them go, they're actually sins. Do you hear me? They're actually sins that need to be repented of. You're a new creation in Jesus Christ. And if you feel that all the time, and especially in a specific area, whatever that area where you're struggling in and it comes before you and the Lord blesses somebody else and not you at that particular time, It's not the way you think you should be blessed by him, and you can't rejoice in that, then you're not just feeling bad and all about, that is sin and that needs to be repented of. Paul says as part of our new creation, Ephesians 4.31. We can have many, many scriptures for this. But Paul says as Christians, you let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's not who you are anymore in Jesus Christ. And you see how this sneaks up on you? Rejoice with those who rejoice. I'm not doing, I'm doing just the opposite. As I said, there might be an initial Ouch. Ouch, man, why not? You know, what about? But you're a Christian. And when you, I'm not going to say unable, when you're unwilling, when you are unwilling to enter into joy, to rejoice, then something's wrong something's wrong with your relationship to the lord you need to know that this morning because part of our sanctification is getting rid of the stuff that keeps hinders us from our growth in jesus christ you have been justified right you have been called by him you were predestined to to salvation by him all those things are true now what's that look like don't let satan rob you of the joy of being in christ Praise God. Yeah. Because that's what he does all the time. And part of that joy is being able to rejoice with those who rejoice. If you are, don't say you're unable. If you're unwilling to do that, then something's wrong. And that something is this. Ultimately, it is that for you, at least in that area, at least in that place, God is not sufficient. Do you hear me? You, but, and that, why not me, Lord? So, what you're saying ultimately, when everything's scraped away, saying, God, you're not enough. You are not enough for me. I need something else. That's exactly what we say. That's exactly what you mean. And, and an indication is that when you can't rejoice with those who rejoice in the thing that you want at that moment. Do you understand that? It's a big deal, it's a big hindrance to your contentness in the Lord. That's that's what it's about. You're in trouble if your contentment if your joy if your happiness depends on certain things happening and not your relationship to jesus christ you get that i feel that pain i feel this when i was pre- when i was preparing this He is our joy. He is our strength. He is the source of our contentment. You can have everything else. If you have nothing else, you have Jesus Christ, then you have everything you need. Christ plus nothing else equals peace, joy, contentment. He is enough. Amen. And praise God. And everything else you have on top of that is like, is like gravy. That's it. That's what you, that's what it is. Right? We don't need these things. I don't need the big house. I don't need the job. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to be recognized in a certain way. I need Jesus Christ. And if I have him, then I have everything I have. Now, if he gives me a house, amen, praise God. If he gives me the spouse, amen, praise God. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying? Is he enough for you? That's what it means. And, and if you can't rejoice, it's an indication that there's, that there's that barrier between you and the Lord, that he's not enough. For Paul, for Christians, Christ is everything. You don't need one other thing. If they took everything away from you today, if you have Jesus Christ, you have everything that you need because you have Him. Paul says it like this: <sighs> I'm I'm not having a righteousness of my own. I don't, I don't want to be found having a righteousness of my own, but that which come um, that comes from the law, but that which comes from faith, faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. That's the righteousness that I need. Philippians four, um, Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek him. He's enough. He's the one. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to ask you to please turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians 4. Paul's coming to the end of his letter, just verses 10 through 13. And he says this. And notice how he rejoices here. This is at the end of his letter. And he said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length, you received your concern for me. You have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking, and here it is, not that I'm speaking for being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to have nothing. I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen, and praise God. If Christ is all that you need, see, that's all that's all Paul needed. Right? If I don't have anything, nobody can take anything away from you. That's why as Christians, it's so amazing if we love the Lord and people that hate us, they want to scare us. We can't be afraid. We're not going to be that scared because we have all we need in Jesus Christ. We can't be bought. We can't be bribed. We shouldn't be because what? Take what you want. You can take it all because I have Christ. You understand? If you have him, we have all we need. If Christ is all you need and he is, then it's easy to rejoice with other people when they get stuff, right? That's so cool. I love it that God blessed you. It's not going to come back to me because I have all I need in Jesus Christ. If he's all you need, it's easy to rejoice. It's easy to see him bless other believers and be genuinely thankful that he has. Wow, that's such great news. Oh yeah, yeah. I love it. I'm thankful for that. Why? Because we already have all we need in Christ. On the other side of that, you will trust, and you know as a Christian. We might not know all the answers, but we know that he has a reason for not giving you that legitimate thing that you want at that particular time. We don't always know exactly why, but we know that he's sovereign. We know in his providence he has a specific reason, and we are to trust in him. We trust that he has a reason for not getting you that house, that promotion, that inheritance. We rest in his sovereignty we trust in his providence that's, that's that's that that's paul's basically saying that in philippians 4 this is the mentality this is how we grow in christ i know it sounds so simple rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep this is how you can rejoice if you already know that you have jesus christ it's am- it's amazing that god gives your brothers and sisters something you can rejoice in because i don't need it because i have him if he gives me that amen and praise god that's it otherwise You give yourself permission to feel the opposite way, and you give yourself permission to let sin take root in your heart. Right? And when it does, when that sin takes root in your heart, of course you're not going to rejoice. (laughs) And of course you're not going to listen to what he says here. You're You're not going to be able to rejoice with those who rejoice. But you'll act in ways the flesh and not the spirit dictates. You better believe that. We do it all the time. Listen to me, man. You will be, if you're not resting in the Lord, if you're not content, if he's not all you truly need, and he is if you're a Christian, if you're not content, you will be dissatisfied with God's provision. And you'll never be content. It doesn't matter how much you get. How many people say, oh, if I just had a spouse, okay, he gives you a spouse. Well, if I just had a house, if I, and then if I just had this, if I just had that, then I'll be, and it just goes on and on and on. Do you understand? Do you see that? It doesn't, it doesn't, his provision, provision will never be enough. There'll always be something more, something more you need, something more you want, even though it's legitimate. If he's not enough, then you will never have enough. That's it. That's why, and and, and you won't be able to rejoice. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to bury legitimate desires. That's not at all what I'm saying. You bring them before the Lord. You ask the Lord. You plead with the Lord. You pray to the Lord. Lord, please, why not? And obviously, we do that. But you find your contentment in Him. You rest in Him. You wait on Him. And you move forward in Christ. One way you can know that you're not content in Him is that you're not able to really truly rejoice in those who rejoice. Huh? It's a big deal. We love our kids. We rejoice in what our kids have, but it's not always that way with other Christians. If you get something and I want that, or if I have that, and you don't, it's a matter of this. See how deep this is? This is very profound. Rejoice with those who rejoice. It sounds so simple. It's not. There's a lot there. Well, keeping everything I just said in mind. I want you to keep that in mind, everything that I just said. Having said all this, Paul goes on to command on the other side of it is you weep with those who weep, Christian. You weep with those who weep, with those who are hurting, legitimately hurting for sure. Even those who aren't legitimately hurting, you still weep with them and you encourage them in the Lord and bring them along. So Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. You know what that is? It's a call to compassion. And far too many of us we're not compassionate as Christ is compassionate with us. We don't understand the way we ought to. We will understand for a little while, but you know how we get. It's hard to be with someone who's suffering. It's hard to be with someone who's kind of a for lack of a better word that pain, you know, like all the time something's happening all the time. It's hard to do that. It's hard to enter into that. But that but when he says, "Weep with those who weep," He's not just talking about a one-time, like at a funeral thing. Of course, that's easy to do. But what's our compassion like day in and day out? What's our patience like with each other day in and day out? What's our care for, for each other day in and day out, man? Oh, this means entering into a person's sorrow, entering into their hurt, entering into their loss, Entering into that hard providence. Entering into that painful season. Again, we have a tendency to initially enter in, but eventually, you know, we kind of back off. We distance ourselves. Of course, if there's a sudden loss, if there's a death, we're very compassionate. We're very careful. We enter in, that's for sure. You know, if they get that scary diagnosis, we weep with those who weep. It's, it's okay to do that. But what about... Listen, those, those legitimate, I'm talking legitimate desires and needs. Uh, what's wrong with wanting to have a baby? What's wrong with wanting to have a house? What's wrong with wanting to have a, a, a job or something like that? There's nothing, those are legit. It's, those are legitimate de- desires. They're not sinful. It's not like you're saying, oh man, that, that, that husband, I need a husband like That guy, not like the guy I have. I, I wish I had that husband and I, and I think about that guy and, 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 and and her husband. And man, if I, if I get, that's, that's not a good desire to have. No. But we have legitimate desires. Those things that I mentioned. Right? That go unmet. That calls for compassion calls for deep understanding. That calls for us entering in even long term. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 tells us this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. He's the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. That's the comfort that we have to give, his comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which our we ourselves are comforted by God. Amen. Praise God. That's a, that's the 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 difference between worldly comfort and godly comfort. We have it from the Comforter, there are God who gives it, the source of comfort, right. Job 2.13, as we read earlier, and they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. You know, sometimes you just have to be there, just be a presence, entering into that suffering, coming alongside, I am here for you, just not even saying anything at all at times. But there's that legitimate suffering. Weep with those who weep. Right? There's certain place, certain areas where this is true. Those long-time hard providence situations. Chronic conditions. People have chronic conditions. They live with pain one way or another every single day. It's hard for us to relate to that because most of us don't feel that pain. But you know what it's like if you're in pain. If you're laid up for a month, you know, man, they don't understand that this really hurts. I can't do this, you know, and it's legit. Infertility. It's hard. Lord, why? It hurts. We're having trouble here. Severe depression. You know, we're not into the medical model and the psychology, you know, but there is severe depression. You're on your meds, you're off your meds, and they're just people, and you know them in your life. They're just, they just can't function. It's hard. To weep with those who weep is to show genuine compassion, show genuine care, genuine patience, genuine understanding, and genuine encouragement that comes from the Lord. The dangers of this, and here's where well, you fall into sin, we fall into sin, is what I call conditional compassion. Conditional compassion. That's what Job's friends were like. Remember Job's friends? Initially they came, they were quiet, they were there, they were present, but eventually what did they do? They started to like accuse Job. Job, you're, and he was a right, he was totally in the right. This wasn't something, he wasn't in sin, he didn't bring it on himself. He was a righteous man. And yet what's the tendency for us? After a little while, it's like, all right now, come on, it's, it's time to get what, you know. You lose patience with people like that. We gotta be careful about that. Because we're called, and that's a sin. Because we need to be patient with one another. In those legitimate ways. And then what happens after that, not only do you lose patience, you become resentful. Don't tell me that you don't. Man, that person's always like that. Oh, just, you know, I don't want to be around that person. That's, we, long suffering, man. Compassionate, entering into. Now, hear this. Here's, here's the caveat that I give to this. I want you to hear this. There is a fine line. This is a big deal. There's a fine line between compassion, understanding, and encouragement on the one hand. And then on the other hand, kind of indulging a person or allowing them to slip into some of those sinful attitudes that we talked about earlier. Do you know what I mean? That's a fine line there because you don't want to be encouraging somebody where they're drifting off into sin and you're just saying, well, that's okay because of the situation. We don't want to do that. So it takes discernment. It really does. And it takes a lot of wisdom in those situations. But we do not want to slip into sin by losing patience by becoming resentful by stop caring for that person, by adding to their pain that's already there do you understand that That's a big big deal we need to weep with those who weep that's what he's saying here we have a dear sister in the Lord and she loves the Lord she loves him deeply 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 Her faithfulness has been on through the years. She's a selfless person. She's a valuable member of the kingdom of Christ. I'm telling you this. You'd love her if you knew her. As a matter of fact, the Griffos go to her for prayer. I'm a pastor. Luke's an elder. But when somebody in my family needs prayer, we call this person. Mom, call her so she'll pray for us. Well, she has chronic condition and dealing with pain in different ways. And over the, the last 20 years, I've seen it, the last 20 years, how people will come in and they weep for a moment. But then after a while, it's, really? After a while, it's, come on, get your eyes off of yourself and start doing something. You're being dramatic. You're going too far. It would be one thing if that was true, but it's not true. They forgot to weep. And instead, when you forget to weep, then you're going to lose that compassion. Do you understand that? It's a fine line. Always err on the side of compassion. Always err on the side of grace. Always err on the side of mercy. Again, we don't indulge in sin, and there's times when you need to confront and bring it up, and say, wait, you know, go back to the first part of the message. But don't forget to weep. Because when we do that, you know what happens? You leave that person alone in their pain, in their suffering, and in their hurt. And you're not that compassion that God gave us to be. You're not that comfort that God gave you to be. You're not that care that God meant us to be. And you will find yourself resentful, frustrated, angry, hurting brothers and sisters in Christ because you think that they need to be over this. Because you think that enough's enough. Weep with those who weep. Be able to do that. Come on, you need to trust more in Christ. Come on, you need more faith. You need the love of Christ. You need encouraging words. You need us to enter in. And in that, there might be a time for gentle rebuke, confrontation. That's okay but they need that love. Weep with those who weep. It's too easy, again, just to zoom past it. Do you see why I preach this? It's too easy to pass it by and just, okay, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, and it means it. No, no, no. The implications are so very, very profound because it says so much about your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. It says so much about your walk with your Savior. It says so much about you You need to find your contentment in Jesus Christ. Can you say that this morning? That I really don't need anything else but Christ to be content. And on the other hand, you need to be compassionate. Some of the hardest people I know are Christians. They get more more love from the the sinners, from, from people that don't love Christ. They'll clothe you. They'll help you. They'll come along. They'll be understanding. Not in a biblical way, but they show it in certain ways, more compassion than we ever show. We get so hard. Oh, trust in the Lord. Come on, you're a Christian. Pull you be careful about that, man. Be careful. Because you need, not only do you need to find your contentment in Jesus Christ, you need to be compassionate, like Jesus Christ, like him, man, and how he loved and how he cared. and he knew. And he knew what they needed at the time, and he gave that to them. That. amen amen now putting these two together rejoice with those who rejoice weep with those who weep leads to maturity in in, in your relationship to jesus christ and it leads to death in your relationship with brothers and sisters in christ because then you could really be happy for people on the one hand and then you could really be understanding and caring on the other hand and that's what all of us need